No, no, I haven't forgotten you. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> uh, this is Driving Theology, and my name is Mike. And uh, thank you guys for listening. If you've been listening uh, to the podcast, um, <clears throat> I know the format's wonky, and uh, I'm not terribly consistent with it. But for you guys who continue to listen, I am I am grateful. Um, grateful grateful well it is uh june 1st june 1st and uh probably something like five months into this pandemic and maybe four months uh into the protests and riots uh in america um corona seems to uh not want to leave america Japan has had better success containing it, flattening the curve. Uh, But that's not to say uh, things can't get worse. Um, It's really easy right now, I think especially if you live in America, but really uniquely so for the whole world because of this virus, I think it would be easy for us to uh, default to fear. Um, it would be easy enough for us to uh, just want to shut shut ourselves up in our homes, uh, board up the board up the windows and doors, uh, and just you know hope and pray that we're able to survive this. And really, that there isn't more despair, I guess, surprises me. Maybe it's, maybe it's the anonymous, uh, enemy, enemyless nature of this virus. It's really hard to put uh, a face on somebody to blame for this virus. Although a lot of people have been trying to blame China. Uh, as the virus was first uh, named in Wuhan. But I have a feeling that over time, as we uh, trace the the footprints of this virus, we may uh, find there's even another origin or, uh, you know, that that it was really nothing we could have done. Nobody's fault per se. You could maybe blame your government for not having an adequate response, not being ready for such a thing. That's possible. Um, uh, Maybe you, you know, blame school leaders or bosses who, who also did not have an appropriate response. Did not respond in your estimation early enough. Um, it's not that you can't put, you know, some kind of blame somewhere for some of this virus, but but really, this is this comes down to at least at this point, disregarding the. Uh, um, wow, he's early. That's a, that was Cam. I just passed Cam. He's uh, on his way to my house to do some work. He's, uh, he's a 
carpenter, good friend of mine. Uh, anyway, yeah, I just passed him. He went to the home store this morning to get materials and he's already headed over there. He almost would have caught me, probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyway, um, this would fall under traditionally, I think, the category of an act of God. Um, that it's something so uh, so unexpected and so um, well uh, so out of the hands of human beings in a sense uh, that you know it's something like a an earthquake or you know a tsunami or uh, natural forest fires things like this right that just happen and we all have to just deal with it. It's not like a shooting where you can put, you know, a very specific face uh, on on the person who pulled the trigger. This is a much broader, um, and because of that, because of the broadness of its nature, uh, I think we feel utterly, utterly powerless. I think I said utterly. But I meant utterly, <laughs> utterly powerless against it. That there's nearly nothing we can do. Um, and maybe that, may, maybe that has the effect of uh, solidarity with our neighbors and the people around the world in a sense. That, you know, hey, we're in this together. Um, I'm sorry it's happened to you, happening to you, but it's also happening to us. Um, the great thing about the internet is information sharing has never been faster or cheaper. Uh, but at the same time, misinformation sharing has never been faster or cheaper. <laughs> um, so it's an interesting time. It's an interesting time. Uh, Acts of God have a way of of uh, knocking everybody down a peg, right? In in bringing out humility. <clears throat> now it can do a lot more than that, right? There are other other um, possible reactions that can can come out uh, in the stages of grief, such as anger or even violence. And, you know, um, there are quite negative things despair and whatnot that can come out in the process of this um, but I just haven't quite seen it yet and of course I'm in Japan and Japan has had it um, much better than a lot of other places so you know I readily readily man what is I don't know what is wrong with my mouth I readily accept that Utterly and rhetorically, <laughs> great new words. We'll, uh, we'll have to make some uh, uh, a new dictionary, a new glossary, uh, so that people can understand what I'm saying. <laughs> Prerequisite re uh, study list. Uh, and now I've totally lost track. Um, but anyway, the nature of this virus. Um, does have a way of humbling us, uh, but if we're not careful, that that humility can turn to 
uh, very negative uh, negative things and I, I'm wondering today how, how do we how do we accept the humility and yet guard ourselves from going into the more negative accusatory uh, types of modes that we can go into uh, because I, I really feel like in this case it's not helpful it's not that it's not that people shouldn't be held accountable uh, if they've done something intentional but uh, where you know intentionally they could have done something to save lives uh, but they intentionally didn't for you know monetary gain or something like this you know it's it's not it's not that it's impossible that somebody may need to be held accountable at some point. It's just that I think it's so early and and we really, even if we, you know, started going down that road, I don't think I don't think we would have the wherewithal uh to do a to do a fair job, a just job in figuring this out right now. And again, that's because I just think it's too soon. Um, so, uh, with that in mind, how, you know, what, what are the ways that we can remain in a humble, helpful, and engaged state through the remainder of this crisis? You know, what are the, what are the things that we can do that will actually be productive that might make a difference and I would say you know first of all uh, if you're even if you're even able to think about that then you're probably in a position to help uh, because I think a lot of people uh, there are enough people that are in no uh, position whatsoever to help but actually are in great need of help still. So for me, I would say, uh, first of all, is is to be grateful, to be grateful that that we're we are some of the ones who are still alive, uh, st who still have uh, the ability to think about how we can positive positively affect the situation. You know, gratitude. Um, if you are a Christian, of course, uh, being grateful that, that Christ give, gives us a, a good example of, of sacrifice in such times, right? Um, on how to love people uh, and why we should love people. Um, but I think, I think the first thing is to just take a breath and, and realize, hey, I'm alive right now in this moment. I'm not in imminent danger. Um, I do have response ability. I, I have the ability to respond right now. And then it's a matter of, of loosening up your neck, you know. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that the Bible talked about uh, when, the, when the Hebrew people were uh, not in a good way in their relationship with God, they were stiff-necked. And what that meant was they didn't look to the right or to the left, right? They, they weren't aware of other people's needs, right? 
And so I would say, you know, limber up that neck. Look around you. Um, look in your context. Look in your own home uh, and, and in your own neighborhood and figure out who uh, in your circle of influence could be blessed by your, uh, your help. And then start helping. Um, don't qualify people. Pray that the, uh, the Spirit will lead you to the people who need you the most. Uh, and that you will just uh, be able to, to respond. That, that you, will, you will have whatever uh, they need. Right? In that time. And if not, that you will know how to get it. So that's uh, gratitude and just uh, limber up that neck, right? Look around, be aware. Um, <clears throat> and I'd say number three is not to lose sight of, of what Christ has promised to do in the world and with the world and for the world, right? Um, If you have a certain soteriology, uh, sorry, a certain eschatology, which is quite related actually, uh, which says that God, God is disgusted with the sin in the world and he is going to destroy it and he's going to save the remnant of people who have remained faithful to him and take them away to a new world. Uh, but he's going to destroy this because it's filled, this world because it's filled with sin. Um, well, in that case, I would say just sit back and relax. If you feel like you're one of the people that that uh, is saved, uh, then what do you got to worry about? You know, you, you know, it's like um, taking the time to wash a car right before it's crushed at the dump. Well, if it's going to be crushed, who cares? In fact, a lot of people, what they do in those situations is, oh, I've always wanted to break a car window, you know, and they, they get out a crowbar and they start breaking and smashing something that they figure is already on the way to the dump. Uh, this is a way that we can get out our destructive uh, uh, tendencies, right? Uh, our, our secret desires that we have to break things, to destroy. Um, and so this happens, right? If you think something is going to be thrown away anyway, you're like, oh, can I just break it? <laughs> I don't know why we do that. Uh, it's such a weird thing. But if we think something is already broken, beyond repair, or has, you know, somebody has decided that it is going to be uh, chunk, chucked, right? Chucked in the dump. Uh, then we take that opportunity to to make it even more damaged, to break it even more. It, you know, it's such an odd thing, uh, but that's what we do, right? We think we have an excuse. We think we, uh, you know, that we can't be blamed for something that was already meant for the dump. 
And so that's what's happening with the world, it seems like, with a lot of people. They don't care about the environment, uh, and they don't care about uh, the people who they deem to be not loved by God, uh, and therefore uh, the destruction of the earth and the destruction of uh, the people that God hates, quote-unquote, will just uh, hopefully help my reward come faster, right? Uh, they're trying to uh, speed up the process. Uh, and and this, this kind of eschatology, this view of what's going to happen in the end, right, of judgment or, or whatever, um, will cause you to behave a certain way in this world. Okay? Uh, it's just human nature. It's, it's the sin nature in humans, but it's human nature. That used to be my eschatology. That used to be what I thought God was going to do. Um, I thought he was going to come and do it any day. He was going to destroy the wicked and and uh, spirit away the righteous, uh, which I was one. Uh, and and uh, this world was meant for the dump. Right? It was going to be trashed. And made unusable, or at the very, at the very best, it was going to be hell. Right? This is where hell would actually be. Well, I, you know, my my views on what God is doing in the world through Christ have changed dramatically. I never, I no longer have an escapist mentality. Uh, I actually think that that. The destruction that happens in the world is the natural consequence, consequences of what happens to sin when it's confronted with righteousness, when it's confronted with love and forgiveness and acceptance. Uh, I think sin and those people who are controlled by sin find it quite painfully painfully destructive to their own selves, to their identities, right? That destroying the world is more a symbol of the destruction of the systems of this world, the governments of this world, uh, because they will be replaced by an all-righteous and all-good kingdom of heaven, eventually. The kingdom of heaven exists now uh, and is is waging battle, spiritual battle, for the control uh, of this world. Um, but it's not a physical battle. Right? Paul said we, not, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers principalities in the heavenly places, right? Um, and so if if you have, you know, a view that the world is headed towards destruction anyway, then maybe you look at these events, COVID-19, uh, civil unrest, maybe you look at these as part of God's plan, that God, God is doing this in order to bring about uh, His final judgment on the world, right? You have a certain theology 
that that God controls everything, right? I know I've rehashed all this. I I'm not sure you can talk about it too much though because it, it speaks to the direct character of God uh, and if you think God a monster then you think God thinks it's okay if you're a monster which is a simplistic way of looking at it but there it is um, wow I am really going down some weird roads this morning can't really tell you why. Um, it's kind of a beautiful, nasty day today, today, though. We're in the middle of the rainy season. There's a little bit of sun coming through, but it's mostly cloudy. A few places where the blue sky is trying to poke through. The rivers are just chock full. In fact, I've you know, been wondering if they're going to overflow because we've had lots of rain this rainy season. They are high for sure very high um so uh if however you believe that God is using the kingdom of heaven and its uh occupation in this world now to eventually cover the entire earth with the love of God and the love of Christ through the righteous and charitable actions of his church. Um, if you think that, that Jesus is actually good at his job as savior of the world, you know, how do we call him savior of the world if the world is going to be destroyed? You know, you riddle, riddle me that. Um, But if you think Jesus is good at his job as savior of, of the world, that, that you think that he will be successful in reconciling all of creation back to himself, that you think he's actually smart enough, and powerful enough, and loving enough to pull that off, well, then you look at the events that are happening now totally differently, in a completely different way. Right? These events happening now are, are anomalies, things that God does not want to happen, um, things that are in direct opposition to the, the principles of love as found in the kingdom of heaven, as, find, as found in Christ himself. Um, so you can look at these events as, as bad things that have happened, but you can also look at them as opportunities to show the love of Christ to people who have been victimized, whether it, whether you're a victim of, of racism, uh, whether you're a victim of COVID-19, uh, Whichever it is, uh, those who have Christ in them will come to your rescue. Uh, 
eventually, at some point, in this life or the next. Um, it, it doesn't matter whether you're a, a, a victim with complete innocence or whether you are, say, somebody who is uh, involved in the violence and rioting. Perhaps you've even taken a life. None of that matters, right? All of that can be fixed and reconciled if Christ is actually good at his job and deserves his title as savior of the world. Now, if he's not actually the savior of the world, but only a savior of a few people in the world, uh, well, then, you, you know, you, that's a whole different ballgame. My, my default belief right now is that Christ is excellent at what he does. Uh, he has the knowledge and the desire to save everyone. And his love dictates that he not give up on anyone. Uh, that he... That he work on wooing them and, and convincing them and persuading them just to accept his love and he'll do that uh, through his creation he'll do that through people he'll do that through people who uh, believe in Christ and he might even do it through people who don't believe in Christ he might even do it through animals uh, he may do it in your dreams uh, he he may persuade you in in many 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 different ways, um, but that is his his goal, and he he intends to earn that title, savior of the world, without any asterisk attached. So what's happening right now, uh, as a as a follower of Christ, as a believer in Christ, I believe is is not His will. COVID nineteen is not the will of God. Um, it is His will that people be healed, that people be restored, that people be filled uh, with everything they need. Physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Uh, and he will not rest until that's done. Um, I feel like I've gotten way off track a couple times. I may have to listen to this one again. This is just a little scatterbrained. Um... On another note, we've been reading through Ephesians, and last night we read through Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 14 to 21, <clears throat> uh, Paul's prayer for the Ephesians, and it's a really good one. You should look at it. I think it has a lot to say to us in, in, in this world today, especially the whole book of Ephesians. 
but it kind of it's it's kind of going toward this place uh, where he talks about uh, giving us the power from the Spirit so that our hearts can be strengthened so that we can know the mystery right so that we can know the mystery of God so we can know the 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 height the width the depth and the breadth of the love of God and what he's talking about there is the fact that there are no longer any dividing walls between mankind that they have all been brought into the family of God and that this is the mystery that was hidden through the ages that Christ would would come to do this right to to destroy the wall to bring all men mankind into fellowship with himself and into communion with himself uh, and yeah so that that is what that is what has been happening. Excuse me. Can't stop yawning today. Uh, wow, I thought it was ahead of time. I'm not really ahead at all. <laughs> Let me get a drink of this coffee. Yeah, so Ephesians in the, the, the talk of the mystery <clears throat> and the fact that the church is supposedly the ones who understand that all men are brothers, basically. Uh, that there is no difference between Jew and Gentile any longer. Um, and that the church is supposedly the ones who are given this knowledge uh, which might be a nice little rubric that, that you should use for yourself. I don't think we should necessarily use it to point fingers at others. But if you use it for yourself and say, hey, you know, how am I feeling about people these days? Uh, am I doing a lot of name, name calling or finger pointing? Uh, do I have racist tendencies? Do I believe that one people are better than the others? Uh, do I think myself better than uh, those around me? Uh, if you have these tendencies, and I think everybody has these tendencies, if, if they're not checked, or can have these tendencies, then I think that's a pretty good indication um, that you are not living up to your calling in the church to be one of the ones to whom the mystery of the ages was revealed um, that Jew, Jew and Gentile alike are now acceptable to God. Um, that there is no difference, and there never was. I think that's that's a, a big thing. Um, but that's that's a whole other talk. Uh, so, yeah. Um, 
I think it would go a long way if we had a significant number of churches say, hey, we believe in Ephesians 3, Ephesians 2. We believe that the barrier has been broken down. And that means between all men. And it doesn't mean now that that Gentiles can become Christians just like Jews. It actually means <laughs> that if we're not careful, that new, the, the Christians are the new Jews and everybody else are Gentiles. So if you're not Christian, now you're a Gentile. That also cannot come into play. You know, we, we Christians love to separate people into categories of uh, believers and non-believers or, or, you know, active believers and nominal believers. And, you know, we have all of these categories uh, by which we arrange people on a continuum closer or farther from Christ. Uh, to what end, I'm not sure. Uh, but when we do that, we are building walls instead of tearing them down. Uh, and the mystery of the ages that was hidden and yet was revealed in Christ is that he came to destroy the wall. And we cannot be wall builders. It's so plain. All we do is want to divide people up. But that is not Christ. Not Christ at all. Uh, well, I'm going to have to wrap this up really soon. I know I kind of covered uh, a lot of different things. Um, but I hope... I hope, uh, I hope a lot of things for you. Uh, I hope that you can find a constructive way to be a positive uh, force uh, through these negative events. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think we all have to look for that um, ray of light, that ray of sunshine in these cloudy times. Uh, and I pray that you have all that you need. I pray that there are people that, if you are in need, that are coming to your rescue. Uh, and if I need to be that person, uh, perhaps you know where to find me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think, I know it's trite to say, but helping each other uh, goes a long way in destroying the negative effects of these negative events and just remaining faithful and, and uh, breathing just breathe I didn't do my coffee check today because I'm drinking pretty bad coffee if you know me you know I'll drink bad coffee because if it's a you know if it's a choice between no coffee or bad coffee I'll drink bad coffee every day of the week <laughs> but um, it's just not very good. This was a local place that just opened up a cafe. They have their own roaster. They've been roasting longer than we have. I just don't feel like they did a good job on this bean. Uh, maybe it's just not my cup of tea. <laughs> Pun intended. Um, 
yeah, it's way too dark. Darkly, darkly roasted. Something like a, I don't know, what I would call an Italian, uh, Italian or maybe even, uh, Viennese roast? Is that the really dark one? Vienna roast? Yeah. Anyway, a little over roasted for my taste. Uh, but that's all we had. So I threw it in the coffee maker and uh, it's coffee. That's all I can say about that. Maybe I'll have some better coffee next week. I need a roast tomorrow, so we'll see. Anyway, uh, yep. It's going to be a busy weekend. Busy day for me today. Hopefully we'll make it, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.